Part two, chapter six of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter six. The duel between Pierre and Dolokhov was hushed up, and in spite of the emperor's strictness in regard to dueling, neither the two principals nor their seconds were punished. But the story of the duel, confirmed by Pierre's rupture with his wife, was noised abroad in society. Pierre, who when he was an illegitimate son had been looked upon with patronizing condescension who when he was the best match in the russian empire had been flattered and glorified had lost much of his importance in the eyes of the world since his marriage and young ladies and their mammas had nothing more to expect from him the more from the fact that he could not and would not ingratiate himself into the favor of fashionable society now he alone was blamed for this occurrence it was said that he was a jealous blockhead liable to exactly the same fits of ferocious temper as his father and when after pierre's departure ellen returned to petersburg she was received by all her acquaintances not only gladly but even with a shade of respectful deference due to her unhappiness when her husband was mentioned in conversation ellen put on a dignified expression which without her realizing its significance she managed by that consummate tact of hers to make peculiarly becoming this expression signified that she had made up her mind to endure her unhappiness without complaining and that her husband was a cross sent her from god prince vasili expressed his feelings more openly he would shrug his shoulders when the conversation turned on pierre and pointing to his forehead would say un fele je le disais toujours i always said he was cracked i said so before you did insisted anna pavlovna i said so first thing and before anybody else she always claimed priority for her predictions that he was a silly young man ruined by the perverse notions of the day i said so even when he had just returned from abroad and when every one was enraptured by him and you will remember that at one of my receptions he posed as a sort of marat how is it going to end even then i did not approve of his marriage and predicted what would come of it anna pavlovna just as of yore, was giving receptions on her days at home, and such ones as she alone had the gift of arranging, receptions at which were collected in the first place la creme de la veritable bonne société, la fine fleur de la science intellectuelle de la société de Petersburg, as Anna Pavlovna herself expressed it. Over and above this discriminating selection of society, Anna Pavlovna's receptions, or evenings, were still more distinguished by the fact that at each one she managed to present to her company some new and interesting individual and that nowhere else could be so accurately and assuredly gauged the political thermometer which reflected the disposition of the conservative court society in petersburg toward the end of the year eighteen o six when the melancholy news of napoleon's defeat of the prussian army at jena and auerstadt and the surrender of the majority of the prussian fortresses had been received when our armies had just crossed over into prussia and our second campaign with napoleon was beginning anna pavlovna gave a reception the cream of genuine good society consisted of the charming and hapless ellen montmartre the bewitching prince ippolit just arrived from vienna two diplomats the little old aunt a young man who enjoyed the appellation simply of un homme de beaucoup de mérite a newly promoted freilina or maid of honor and a few individuals of more or less distinction 
the person whom anna pavlovna served up this evening as a choice first fruit for the edification of her guests was boris Dubretskoy, who had just arrived on a special mission from the army of prussia and was now enjoying the position of adjutant to a very great personage the political thermometer that evening offered the following points for the study of society whatever all the rulers and commanders of europe may do by way of indulging bonaparte at the expense of causing me and us in general annoyance and humiliation our opinion in regard to bonaparte remains unchanged and incapable of change we shall not cease to express our views on this subject and we can merely say to the king of prussia so much the worse for you tu la voulu georges dandine it's your choice that's all we have to say about it that was what the political thermometer indicated at anna pavlovna's when boris who was to be offered up to the guests entered the drawing-room nearly all were already present and the conversation under anna pavlovna's lead turned on our diplomatic relations with austria and on the hope of an alliance boris in an elegant adjutant's uniform fresh and ruddy and grown to man's estate came with easy assurance into the drawing-room and was led up according to custom to salute the aunt and then brought back to the general circle of the guests anna pavlovna gave him her withered hand to kiss introduced him to a number of the company with whom he was not acquainted and of each she would say in a whisper le prince hippolyte kuragani charmant jeune homme monsieur krug charge d'affaires de copenhague un esprit profound or simply monsieur sitov un homme de beaucamp de merite giving each one whom she named a word of praise boris since he had been in the service had thanks to anna mikhailovna's efforts and to his own tastes and habit of self-control succeeded in obtaining a very advantageous position he had been appointed aide to a man of great eminence he had been entrusted with very important errands to prussia and had only just returned from there as a special courier he had thoroughly mastered that unwritten system of subordination which had pleased him so much at olmutz according to which the ensign may stand incomparably higher than a general while for success in the service exertions and services and gallantry are unnecessary but all that is needed is tact in getting on with those who control the patronage of places and he was often himself surprised at his rapid advances and by the fact that his friends could not understand it the consequence of this discovery was that his whole mode of life and all his relations to former friends and acquaintances and all his plans for the future were entirely and absolutely changed he was not rich but he would spend his last kopeck so as to be better dressed than others he preferred to deprive himself of many pleasures sooner than allow himself to ride in a shabby carriage or appear in anything but an immaculate uniform in the streets of petersburg he frequented only the society of those who were above him and might be of advantage to him he loved petersburg and despised moscow his recollections of his home with the rostofs and his boyish love for natasha were unpleasant to him and since his first departure for the army he had not once been to see the rostofs on reaching anna pavlovna's drawing-room an invitation to which he considered equivalent to a rise in the service he immediately understood what part he had to play and he allowed anna pavlovna to make the most of the interest which centred upon him while he attentively studied each face and took mental stock of what possibilities of getting advantage from each might present themselves he sat down in the place assigned to him next to the beautiful ellen and began to listen to the conversation that was going on 
vienna regards the basis of the proposed treaty as so entirely out of the question that it would be impossible to bring it about even by a series of the most brilliant successes and she questions the means we have of gaining them such is the authentic report from vienna said the danish charge d'affaires in french the doubt is flattering said the young man of the deep mind with a shrewd smile one should distinguish between the cabinet of vienna and the emperor of austria said montmartre the austrian emperor could never have thought such a thing it could only have been the cabinet who said it ah my dear viscount interrupted anna pavlovna europe for some reason she called it europe as a special refinement of french which she might make use of in speaking to a frenchman eh mon cher vicomte l'europe ne sera jamais notre alliance and then anna pavlovna immediately led the conversation around to the bravery and resolution of the prussian king doing this for the sake of giving boris a chance to take part boris was listening attentively to what was said awaiting his turn but nevertheless he had been able to look several times at his neighbor the beautiful ellen who with a smile had more than once exchanged glances with the handsome young adjutant quite naturally while speaking of the position of prussia anna pavlovna begged boris to tell about his visit to glogau and the state in which he found the prussian army boris without undue haste speaking in pure and elegant french related very many interesting particulars about the army and about the court but throughout his story he carefully avoided expressing any personal opinion in regard to the facts which he communicated for some time boris held the attention of all and anna pavlovna was conscious that all her guests took great satisfaction in the treat that she had set before them ellen more than any one else gave her undivided attention to what boris had to say she several times asked him in regard to certain details of his journey and was apparently greatly interested in the position of the prussian army as soon as he had finished she turned to him with her usual smile and said you must be sure to come and see me she said in a tone which seemed to imply that circumstances of which he could know nothing made it absolutely imperative tuesday between eight o'clock and nine you will give me great pleasure boris promised to comply with her wishes and was about to engage her in further conversation when anna pavlovna called him away under the pretext that her old aunt wanted to speak with him you used to know her husband didn't you asked anna pavlovna closing her eyes and making a melancholy gesture towards ellen ach she was such an unhappy and charming woman don't speak to her about him please be careful about it it's too hard for her End of chapter six